You can't really be in Cork and not interacting and engaging with the river in some way, shape, or form. It's our biggest natural amenity that we have here, and it's it's a real treasure. It's really special. It's underutilized. Cork is the Lee explores the role of the river in the life of the city and county. Each episode considers a different theme taking us on a journey along the river and through Cork's social, cultural and natural heritage. Knoxbow Lake is a small curved lake that forms when a wide river meander is eroded through. Their geographical features, they're one of the things people tend to remember from their juniors or geography. As rivers enter their latter course, particularly on flatlands, they meander. And then those meanders can be cut through, eventually through, processes of erosion and deposition, leaving behind these distinct landforms. As remnants and leftover sections of rivers, Oxbow Lake serve as a metaphor for the tape and clips which didn't make it to the other episodes. This gathers these disparate streams and threads together for a final instalment. It is part cultural, natural, geographical and historical. Much like the river itself. Physical geography is the canvas for a rich cultural and social history that has shaped the identity of the region and influenced all who have visited or called this place home. The geological folding of over 275 million years ago has created several parallel valleys running west-east that provide the structural guides for Cork's three main rivers, the Bandon, the Blackwater and the Lee, as well as shaping the distinct bay headland shape of the county's coastline. After the most recent ice age, 20,000 years ago, the valley's glaciers left esker ridges and moraines that created the pattern of the modern Lee and its tributaries which have a catchment area of over 1,200 kilometres squared. The school's collection from the Folklore Commission presents rich insight into Ireland's natural and cultural heritage. This account of how the Lee got its name was collected by Shivani Vukla from Rockley Machroma, Conosophorn Liahano. The rare bail edition in Nini, nor V. Nev Fionbara in Mugon, V. Ulfish Siluk Fiogatayam. The Rukshe earned far at Darvanam Lonin, August of Varvshie. The Ever on Nev, Asan Lucky. Kugnanini, Erahor, August Dog Shekhanova, Omel Lonin, Egeaskok Idder, Balyan Gertig, August Gugon. Nor V. Derek, Eric Choksu, a slave via Dara Ra. Toshion son on Lee, Toshion son on Lee, Asan Dertar Gleok on Lee, Aaron Howan. A River Speaks. A Mrs. J. Lahan of Gary Hesty, County Cork, told one of the children collecting stories for the Folklore Commission that the River Salan speaks one in every seven years. On the following day, a drowning is sure to take place in this river. The river repeats on each occasion the following. I am the river of death, and where is the man I must drown? 
Councillor Dr. Kieran McCarthy describes how the development of the city itself has been shaped by its connection with the river. Just as individuals and communities are influenced by the Lee, Cork has been crafted by these flowing waters for centuries. And perhaps the river as well has influenced the piecemeal nature of the city. Um, like we don't have rows of the same type of architecture in Cork. The architecture is very higgledy-piggledy, which is a, a term that Daniel Corkery in his book uh, The Threshold of Quiet in the 1910s kind of described the architecture of the city um, as higgledy-piggledy. Don't have rows of the same type of buildings, different heights, different widths, different colours, different parts of the city built, built at different times. Uh, and of course, when you read into all those developments, the river is at the heart of that story as well. How do we, how do we reclaim the next marshland when the city is built across 16, 17 marshy islands? Apart from the South Channel and the North Channel that we have today, at one time there was multiple streams of the River Lee running through all these swamps. And over time we've had to knit the city together, uh, like a jumper in a sense. The river is also a very normal background presence in the city. Dr Sarah Thalen explains how the river is an important thread in the lives of Corkonians. You can't really be in Cork and not interacting and engaging with the river in some way, shape or form. It's always there. It's guiding people through the city. It can be incredibly disorienting when you're new to Cork. So I was used to always being able to navigate off of where I was relative to even the Potomac when I lived in D.C. I always have a sense of where that is, but because of the channels <laughs> of the Lee, I get very confused. But now, knowing where they are, you do have a sense of where you are. and You can kind of get a feel for different parts of the city, how they were tied to the river all the way through. And Some summer days, town feels different to the rest of the city. Approaching the island between the two primary remaining branches of the Lee, it feels more humid and muggy. Underneath layers of tarmac, car parks, hotels and global brands lies a marsh, the foundation of Cork. Below there is a water world of microflows, tides, culverted channels and drains. These swampy subtones are more distinct on certain days. The city centre is sticky and mired. In contrast, the southern suburbs or the hills of the north side feel cooler and more breezy. Perhaps it is the urban concentration and so much concrete, or perhaps it is feeling that I am overanalyzing. But on those days, the river can be felt and experienced through that microclimate, a reminder of what is underneath. Two underwater field recordings give us a sense of the rich soundscapes that can be found along the Lee. In the first, the footsteps of passing pedestrians reverberate by Sullivan's Quay, while a tied-up trawler's engines at Horgan's Quay can be heard clearly across at Kennedy's Quay, reminding us that the city is still an active port. Local historian Anton O'Callaghan. We've a very new bridge called the Mary Ellen's Bridge, but that's not the first bridge to go between Merchant's Quay and Patrick's Quay. Following the destruction of St. Patrick's Bridge, while the new one, the present one, was being built, a temporary Benson's Bridge was put in place, which was not really designed to accommodate vehicular and pedestrian traffic. And so in order to accommodate the demands, a temporary wooden structure was put in further downstream between mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Bridge and in the late 1850s. That subsequently 
was moved upstream to become the first St. Vincent's Bridge, opened in 1862. And then the present bridge was opened in the 1870s, officially opened in 1878, although the work started a year or two before that. And so again, we have connections. We have connections. I, I'm just reminiscing to my childhood, crossing over the bridge, um, walking on the lattice work, which one should not have done, but we all did it as kids. And so all of these connections. So really, as you're walking around, it becomes just almost a holistic view of heritage and history. Everything connects to everything else. And that's what I absolutely love about the History of Cork. The Cork Folklore Project has done excellent work in examining and cataloguing aspects of local life. In this clip, Joe Scanlon, talking with Kieran Murphy, mentions an anecdote about fishing on the lee. Where um, the woodshed is over, that was Wilf of Borden's, the wine. They still have the pub in, the, what's the, the one in Paul Street here, and Don Square. Woodford. Woodford. Yeah. That was Wilf of Borden's, the, the, the winemakers. And on the corner, Paddy was the man, he used to work the guillotine to make the corkies for the wine bottles. And we used to call up to Paddy, actually he was a friend of my father's, they used to have a drink together. And we call up to Paddy looking for bits of corky to make floats. We couldn't afford to buy the real thing. So we'd, we'd get corky off him. We'd, he'd have a rounded knot, like, like identical to the wine bottle today. That cork, and we bore a hole all the way through it. And that was our floating. When you see that going down, something was after biting it. So we got everything for nothing. Do you know? Even our clothes in the cold gear, we got them for half nothing as well. And... They're still friends of mine today say, oh, we never wore that now to go again. Bull, because nobody had it. There was no in between that time you were rich or poor. Sandy Madden highlights her passion for the marina as a fantastic amenity which needs more investment and support. You see, it's like along the river, like the, the river part of that is amazing. But then the whole traffic element of that, it just sucks the life out of it. You know, that there isn't enough space for people to walk and then on These insights present us with a means of re-examining how we understand and value the Lee. Is it just a river or an economic transport system? A sewage disposal mechanism or an amenity with great potential? John Armstrong of the Cork Nature Network. Yeah, and recently we did a natural flood management public meeting. Okay. So we got people, um, we got speakers from Scotland, from all over Ireland to come in and speak about natural flood management mm-hmm. and how it can be a way to um, basically stop flooding in cities and stop flooding in our towns and things like that by not putting up walls and not culverting, which can kind of stop the problem at source, stop the amount of water that's coming in. So natural flood management is all about lag time. Mm-hmm. It's all about stopping, increasing the amount of time it takes to go from the water falling to water getting into two those rivers. So if you can increase that amount of time, mm-hmm. you don't get the spike in peak flow. The idea is kind of having, instead of having lots of one big intervention, mm-hmm. have lots of smaller ones. So put in things like uh, leaky dams, mm-hmm. which um, over small streams, you can put a load of logs. Mm-hmm. So the stream keeps floating properly or normally when it gets higher, the, the river will hit this and it'll make the river burst its banks mm-hmm. in a certain area. So let's right. say that's going to be in a small little field or that's going to be in a forest somewhere. But then that water is not in the river and it takes longer for that water to get in. Yeah. And just have lots of things like that, trying to prevent the need for a big scale hard engineering down, yeah. down river by using soft engineering up the river. 
students of St. Michael's Church of Ireland Primary School, Blackrock, carried out research. They sat down to share their findings for the podcast. Uh, one of the most famous ships ever built came to Cork Harbour, the 11th of um, April 1912. This was the Titanic's last stop to pick up passengers before it continued uh, to, New York, to New York. But it never made it to New York because it was sunk on April 14th, uh, 1912. In Queenstown, now called Cove, 123 people boarded the Titanic and only 44 of them survived the disaster. Yeah, I have a bit about how the Louis got its name. Yeah. Legend has it that the Milesians acquired land in southern Munster, which they named Kirka Liga or Kirka Lee from Liga, the son of Is, who attained land after the Milesian advent to Ireland. The River Lee on Lee over the centuries has had many variations in its spelling. Excellent. Thank you very much. Approaching this project as a geographer and social scientist, I set out to understand and examine the Lee. I talked with over 50 people and numerous organisations, as well as using sources from local libraries, Cork Folklore Project and a schools collection from the Folklore Commission. With Vicky Langan, I travelled the length of the Lee, making field recordings and photographing the riverscapes. These different threads were gathered and ordered into the seven episodes of the series. As a result of this work, I've reached three primary conclusions, which I've written up in a report I'm also going to share here. Firstly, there is a distinct and vibrant growing appreciation for the role of the Lee in the life of the city. Recruiting participants for the project was a relatively easy process, with all people enthusiastic to share their experiences and understandings of the river. In addition, the audience for the podcast and online engagements have shown that the general population is interested in this topic and value the Lee. More systems and tools need to be put in place to facilitate and foster use and connection with the river in the city and beyond. Secondly, there is an eagerness for the river to become more accessible. As the city approaches new stages of development, there is a clear opportunity to ensure the urban infrastructure and organised events help further individual and communal engagement with the Lee. Recent physical changes, such as the boardwalk at the intersection of South Mall and Grand Parade, and the Mary Eames Bridge illustrate how people will use repairing locations once they are accessible. Also, activities such as the Cork Harbour Festival enable people of all ages and visitors to use and appreciate the river in new ways. People respond very positively to these types of active interventions designed to harness and further current levels of valuation of the Lee. Thirdly, The potential for City Council and other government actors to engage with heritage groups and other civil society organisations to develop use and understanding of the river. Building on the Council's pre-existing support for and interactions with local organisations and community groups in the city, there is considerable opportunity to enable greater appreciation, use and nurturing of the river and surrounding spaces. The project's emphasis on the Lee as both a natural and cultural heritage has illustrated how different groups and communities are currently engaging with the river and the capacities for future developments. A definite strategy for the Council and other official bodies to work with these organisations to encourage utilisation and recognition of the river would be both very beneficial and impactful. This is the final instalment of Cork is the Lee, the second series of my ongoing podcast Literal Space. Thanks to everyone who has listened to and engaged with this series and especially thanks to everyone who took the time to sit down and talk with me and share their understandings and their experiences of the Lee. 
and they have made this podcast possible and more importantly acts like that make research possible. Literal Space will return in a few months. In the meantime, please listen over to the back catalogue. Cork is the Lee is co-created by myself, Richard Scriven, probably the only Doctor of Geography you know, with funding from Cork City Council's Local Heritage Grant 2019. It includes original music and recordings by Claire Layton and field recordings made and edited by Vicky Langan, independent artist. Narration assistance by Ruth Harrington, Ashling White and Dion Carroll and production assistance from Joe Kiley. Thanks to all those who were involved and made the podcast possible, including Councillor Dr. Kieran McCarthy, Dr. Sarah Thalen, and Joya Kuhn, whose voices you hear in the introduction to the episode, and Maya Thomas for the branding and cover design. Cork is the Lee. Cork is the Lee is a component of the Literal Space podcast. For more information, check out Twitter at Literal Space or Instagram at Literal Spaces. This podcast is shared under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International Licence, which means you can remix, tweak and build upon this work for non-commercial purposes as long as you credit us and license your new creations under the same terms. Except for the recordings from the Cork Folklore Project who retain the copyright for those materials.